Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hope you can hear me in the back. I know that unit is loud. I guess I'll have to speak louder. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Some well-known verses towards the end of the chapter. Chapter 15 and verse 50. And we're going to read all the way through 58. I'll ask that we stand together for the reading of God's Word. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 50 through 58. Let's read together. Verse 50. Now I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to finish that? Y'all are ahead of me. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to speak on this subject. The serpent swallower. It's going to be an interesting message today. Uh, we sing songs about victory, victory over sin, victory over death, and we want to talk about some of this today and rejoice in it, rejoice in it. The serpent swallower. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you bless the message and give me the words that will convey the truth so that we can have full understanding. We pray that you'd open our eyes to see this, these wonderful truths. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you may be seated. Thank you. Verse 26 says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. We know Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The last one, the very last one, is death. That great enemy of the soul. The one that we all have to face. This is the curse of the first transgression that took place. This is death. God told Adam and Eve, The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So death signifies finality. Separation. It's a low, very low quality of existence. Doesn't mean you're going to cease to exist. Death never means that the human the man will cease to exist. It's a changing of existence. 
We're passing into the next life through death. Death does not end there. It's the opposite of life, though. And the Bible says that death is our enemy. We fight against death all the time. We'd want to live. We do all that we can to live. And we will continue to do that. One day Jesus will defeat death. The Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 14, He will cast it into the lake of fire. What an amazing day that will be. Death resulted from sin. Sin, think about this. In James chapter 1, it says this is how sin was made. Inner lust mixed with outer enticement. They came together and they conceived a child. And that child was sin. Sin, when it is conceived, what does it do? It's going to eventually bring forth death every time. So, you have inner lust of man, what's inside, being enticed outwardly. They come together, and in some way, there's a child going to be conceived, and it's death. I mean, sin, excuse me. And then sin, when it is finished, will bring forth death. And that's all that sin can produce. The soul that sinneth shall die. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So simply stated, we've all been bitten by the serpent of sin. It's likened to a serpent. It's likened to this living. Sin is alive. And it's evil. And it's like a snake. And it says here it had a sting on it. It had a sting that went with it. Like fangs. Death sank into all of our souls and it sank in deep. It's interesting that word sting. We read it here. Death, where is thy sting? You see that in verse 55? This word sting, you know, we, we liken it to a bee, sting, which it can be, because it's a pointed object that penetrates with venom in it. It could be a stinger, and in this case, it's a fang. It injects the venom, and it's enough to slay the one that it stung. Proverbs 23:22 says that alcohol is likened, the, drink, the man that gets slain by alcohol, it's likened to the sting of an adder or a viper that stings you, strikes you with fangs, and leaves the sting of death deep within. It says it biteth like a serpent, stingeth like an adder. Now, Look at verse 56. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. You see that? What makes the sin so strong is the law of God. Because the law, we cannot keep the law within ourselves. And so man is overwhelmed in the law of God in a perfect state. You think he could keep it. Well, Adam didn't. Adam was innocent. He had all for him, very little against him. He still gave in and he sinned. You know, I think about that. Satan dangled the bait in front of Eve. We don't know for how long he dangled this bait, but he worked on her through enticement. He enticed her. 
And something within her said wanted it. Said it was pleasing to the eyes. Said it was, she knew this is going to taste so, so good. And then she also knew within her heart, this is going to make me wise. I'm going to be like God's. Knowing good and evil. So there was a desire in there to, to find out. The old serpent kept the dangled the bait right in front of her. God said, don't you partake of that fruit. Satan said, has God really said that? You shall not surely die. So he lied to her. She lied and then she gave to her husband, Adam, and they partook. You know, think about it. God set up safety nets and perimeters for his people. He said, I'm going to keep you out of trouble. I'm putting a perimeter. It's called my law. My law. Don't go past the law because if you do, you're going to get bit. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10a, amazing little passage about whoso breaketh the hedge serpent shall bite him. You try to break through the bushes, you don't know what's behind those bushes. Many a person has been bitten by or stung by bees when they started dealing with a hedge or some bushes, especially if you try to penetrate and break through the hedge. God has a hedge of protection. He had that for Adam and Eve. They broke through the hedge, think about, stuck their hand out, and immediately the fangs hit. They were bit says that the, the adder wolf, will, uh, the deaf adder, will bite. Not to be having to be charmed. It's just going to bite. It's an impulse. And it's likened by sin. Strike of the serpent. I wonder. I often wonder. And I, 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 there's no proof to this. Did that serpent bite her when she partook of that fruit? It's possible. It's very possible that when she reached out and broke the hedge of protection, what God said, don't do it. You know, she said, you're not even supposed to touch it, she told the serpent. The sting of death came. The sting of death is sin. God warned them, this is my law. Don't do it. It's forbidden. So when you come to Romans chapter 7, it says, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, by the law of God, Deceived me. By it, it slew me. It bit me. It happened to all of us. Breaking God's law made sin exceedingly sinful. When you know you weren't supposed to do something and you broke, and you did it anyway, it's called presumption. Presumptuous sin, it makes the evil exceedingly sinful. Versus those who knew not, but they still did it. It's the commandment that makes it exceeding sinful. Breaking God's law made sin toxic, deadly poison. The Bible says we were all born dead in trespasses and sin. Every single one of us, this is found in Ephesians chapter 2, some people still are dead in trespasses and sins. They have not come to the victory yet in Jesus Christ. So let me say, this dire situation we found ourselves in, it was terminal. It was a terminal sickness. Death was soon to follow. We are helpless 
We're without strength. The venom went straight to the heart. The heart was bad. Knowing all these things, the Lord did something wonderful. He sent His Son from heaven. He sent His Son to save His people from their sin. He sent His Son to destroy the works of the devil. Now this is really something. He who knew no sin took sin on himself. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. Every man. I'm thankful for that. He tasted death for me. He became sin. We'll look at that in a minute. Now there's a story in Numbers chapter 21. It tells about men of Israel. They have really upset the Lord. They were murmuring, they were complaining, they were rebelling against him. And it says that he upset them so much in such a terrible way that God sent poisonous serpents into the camp. And many were bitten by these snakes. You know, that's one of the biggest fears that men can have, right? Getting bit by a poisonous snake. We already have. It's called sin. He came into the camp. It says they were fiery serpents, boy. I mean fiery. And lively. I've seen some snakes out there that are very lively. <laughs> I have. Now, many were bitten. I want to read this in Numbers 21. This will be an interesting message today uh, because I'm trying to drive home a truth so we can all understand how wonderful the Lord is, what He's done for us. But we're in Numbers chapter 21. This is Moses' serpent of brass that he made is a great example for, for what we need to uh, learn. And the typology is very clear here. I would like to read this in Romans. And I keep saying Romans. Numbers 21. In verse 8, The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh on it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, Jesus said in John 3, verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, what we just read, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's where we get the hymn. Look and live, my brother, live. That's, this is an amazing truth found here. And it's all on our behalf. The Bible says Jesus took sin upon Himself. When He went to the cross and they nailed Him to the cross, it says He was lifted up between heaven and earth. And He was raised up. He took sin upon Himself. And He was transferred from the innocent Holy One to the condemned. And Jesus died. And actually became sin and self personified. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He hath made Him to be sin for us. Jesus became sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's what He did. He took on the personification of sin. Jesus became, you know, it was a serpent made out of brass. And brass is judgment. Brass always pictures judgment. 
So when they raised up this serpent of brass in the wilderness, they raised it up on high. Anyone who looked on that by faith were healed. All they had to do was look because they were told to. Because they were told to. They looked, they believed, they were healed. The judgment was on the serpent of brass on the pole. Jesus said, I'm going to be that serpent. The judgment of God is going to fall on me. Look. You'll be healed of your bitten condition. You'll be healed of the curse of sin. How beautiful is this representation. I want you to look at something else with me. Look at Exodus chapter 4. There's an amazing passage here in Exodus chapter 4 <clears throat> dealing with serpents again. And this is Moses. So when Moses is getting commissioned by God to go deliver Israel out of Egypt, the Lord says to him, now, well, he says, how are they going to know I'm, I'm of God? How are they going to know? And look what it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. The Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? He said, a rod. This is his carrying rod. His carrying cane. His shepherd's staff. He used to, did his work with, basically. It rarely left his hand while he's on the job, you know. So he has it there. He says, what is that in your hand? He says, it's a rod. He said in verse 3, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. This is in chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 3. And it says, Moses fled from before it. Why? It was a fiery thing. It was alive. It was poisonous and the Lord said unto Moses put forth thine hand and take it by the tail now that takes some faith doesn't it <laughs> especially when you're running from it just before that which is what I do <laughs> I always think about that you know nowadays these guys they, they like to play around with snakes well they're no Moses I guarantee you that but number two you know, put your hand forth and grab that thing by the tail. What faith? What faith? And he says, he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. This is a mate. Now look here. Turn over to chapter 7. Can you be imagine being told to pick up this serpent. When he picked it up, this serpent, this, this just plain old staff became the power of God in his hand. All the miracles were done as a result of this. The signs on Egypt came from this staff that was once a snake. He believed on him and he said, I will do what you say, Lord. I'll by faith pick this up and it became a rod again. This is the first miracle it was supposed to take place when Moses went before Pharaoh. So look here in chapter 7. We all know the story. Look at verse 10. Moses and Aaron went unto Pharaoh. And they did so as the Lord commanded. 
And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. A living serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. See, they, theirs is witchcraft. Theirs is enchantments. What does it say? For they cast down every man his rod. They became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Amazing. And, and what does it say? He hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. So Aaron pictured by the power, his rod pictured by the power of obedience and faith. He obeyed God, he believed. He put his hand on that staff and it became a staff again. This rod of obedience swallowed the serpents of Pharaoh whole. Swallowed them up. You know, these snakes, symbolic of Satan's power of death through sin, were swallowed up and swallowed away by these serpents. Swallowed away, eventually, by Jesus Christ himself. You know that word, swallow. Swallowed up. Completely engulfed. Taken in fully whole. Eradicated. And gone. No trace left. Never to exist again. All the power these serpents had was gone forever. Now, I, I say this is interesting. I, you know, it was a drought year for us. For everybody here. It was very dry. There's only one frog that lived around my house. And I liked him. He'd always get in the water bowl, you know, and I'd put him back out. Who wouldn't, right? It's only water in the place. He'd, he'd, one day I walked out early in the morning. This wicked black indigo had him in his mouth. And I was mad. But that's just doing what they do. They swallow him whole. It really hurt. But I learned something by watching this. It's a gruesome scene, by the way. I did not like watching it at all. But I learned a wonderful truth. By studying the Bible and learning. So let's, if you would, go back to 1 Corinthians 15. I did not kill that snake. I let him go. I let him finish supper and then I ran him off. It was breakfast. It really hurt to see. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. We're going to read this again, then we're going to finish the message. It says in verse 54, So in this corruptible, that's our body, your corruptible body of flesh, God says something, He promises that one day you're going to put on an incorruptible body of spirit and life. The Bible calls our body now a vile body. All of us have it. The Bible says it's going to be a wonderful, glorified body. And this mortal, you know, we all, we're mortals. We, all, we ought to always remember our mortality. We're not going to live forever. In this flesh, this flesh cannot live forever. It's earthbound. 
It's not even saved yet. Now, I, I'm a saved individual. I believed on Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm on my way to heaven, but this body's sure not going. Something's going to have to change. My body is going to have to change. The Bible says He will transform our vile body into a glorious body, actually simulating and being likened to the glorified body Jesus came out of the grave from when He rose from the dead. So we were, we're mortals now. You know, mortality has to do with your body. We're mortal. Well, it says there we're going to put on immortality. There'll be a day when we, we will not be ever touched by death, approached by death. Actually, it'll not even enter your mind because God's going to take that away. We'll look at that here in just a minute. It says, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So Jesus Christ, who is the prince of life, the Bible called him in the book of Acts, became the rod of God, the very power of God. The Bible says the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And, excuse me, and to us who are saved, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. We know that. We are in it. We're saved. Jesus Christ, this great power of life, became a man, the Bible says, to defeat sin. He defeated it in life by a holy living, untouched by sin and failure. Jesus overcame the works of the devil and did not succumb to temptation one time. He defeated sin in his life. He defeated it again in death. When he took the curse upon himself and Christ was put on the cross and as we said, lifted up for all men. He defeated. Now in death, he defeated him who had the power of death. The devil. He brought great destruction to him. This is the wonderful point of the gospel. Jesus became a curse for us, it says in the book of Galatians, and he actually became our sin. I read that verse to you just a while ago, 2 Corinthians 5.21. The serpent of sin was judged in Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wrath of God was poured out upon him as he hung on the cross, and he died in our stead. The vicarious death, Jesus died in our place. We know this to be true. Jesus said so. I'm going to be hanging up for you. Look and live. Believe on me and you will live. So we have been bitten by sin. Must look on Jesus Christ and he will be your victory and your salvation. So, number one, our souls are saved from the penalty of sin. When you get saved, you're saved from the penalty of sin. All the judgment that came upon you and the condemnation that fell from violating God's will, from sticking your hand through the, through the hedge, and the bite that took place, and the terminal judgment is taken away. And the soul that sinneth, that deserves death, we are no longer under that penalty because Jesus took it for us. 
He became our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, it says. So that's our souls. Now our spirit, we're, we're a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. Actually, the Bible calls it spirit, soul, and body. God always starts with the spirit first. We're men. We love to start with the body. But now, with his spirit, or by his spirit, he dwells within us, saving us from the power of sin. You know that you're supposed to be growing in grace. Though our bodies are still not saved, that's why we fight it every day, we're still in the flesh. Sanctification process where you're growing in grace and learning more of Christ and you're, over, you're learning to overcome sin. You're learning to say no to temptation. You're learning to overcome yourself and deny yourself. You're growing up into Christ. You're getting mature. The power of sin is not as strong as it used to be. That's over your spirit. Yet, we're dwelling in a body that's perishing. Our outward man perishes, the Bible says. But the inward man is renewed day by day. So here we are. We're getting older every day. Woke up one day older today than we did yesterday. Right? This flesh, mine especially, is failing me. It's starting to dwindle away. <clears throat> well, guess what? There's a day coming soon where Jesus will return from heaven. He came once. He will return from heaven. He will come as the power of God, that rod of the power of God in his hand. Jesus is the power of God in God's hand. The Bible says he will raise up all the redeemed from the power of the grave. And we're going to go right, like they say, we're going to fly away. Amen? We're going to fly away in eternal life. The Bible says we shall all be changed. We read it twice. We will be glorified. We will be incorruptible. So what you're going to do is you're going to go from a vile body to a glorified body, from a mortal body to an immortal body, from a corruptible body to an incorruptible body, from a terrestrial body where you're stuck on this earth to a celestial body fit for heaven. Jesus brings that with Him when He returns from heaven. He's going to rid us from sin forever and ever. Because when he comes this time, he's saving the body. And we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. It'll never exist again. That's the Christian life. You got saved from the penalty of sin when you believed on Jesus as your Savior. You're in a process. See, people want to make getting saved a process. They want to earn it and live it and go through life. Not they want to know, but they really don't want to know. They never, ever get it. You know why? They didn't look and live. They didn't look and just get saved. And God saves the Spirit from the penalty of sin. And I'm no longer under condemnation. The Bible says. So now we're saved. We're going through life, fighting it out. You know what you're fighting? This stuff. Got to save soul and a body that won't get saved. But the Spirit's there, and you're, you're getting power of the Spirit through obedience and learning and growth, growing in grace, and we're getting, we're getting saved from the power of sin. When Jesus returns and calls all, all souls up from the grave, you're going to be raised incorruptible 
from the very presence of sin. And you'll be alive forevermore. What's great is he's going to defeat all our enemies. Didn't it say it? All of our enemies will be destroyed. That's Satan, the main enemy of the soul. Fallen angels, the evil spirits, evil men. Christ rejectors. He's going to destroy the works of darkness. The Bible says he's going to reconcile heaven and earth back to him. Make all things new. Jesus will put an end to sin. He'll put an end to death. Death and hell will go into the lake of fire. Then eternity breaks out. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So it says, Then shall be brought to pass this saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death will be swallowed away. You know, there's something about swallowing. You know, once you swallow what's ever in your mouth, you're not getting it back. And you don't want it back. You know why? I mean, something's got to happen. Completely engulfed. You know, death will be gone and cannot touch us. So the cross, look and live. Salvation of the soul. The rod of God returned. He's going to give a complete eradication of death. Swallow those serpents of the devil. And this is our hope. This is our blessed hope. This is what we earnestly desire. You know when you get up every when you get up in the morning, you just don't feel right. You're desiring this. You're groaning for it. Your body wants it so bad, you're calling out for it, even don't even know. To get a new body. Which cannot fail and cannot lose. Body separate from corruption, from disease, from sin. How about this one? From age. Forever with the Lord. I love this verse. I'm done, but listen to this. Second Corinthians 5, 4, he said, For we that are in this tabernacle, this is a stu- we're in it now, right? This is my home. Our true homes were the body we live in. This, we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. What are we burdened for? Not that we would be unclothed, but be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Life's going to swallow up death, and Jesus is the one that does it. It's gone forever. Amazing. This is what you're to look forward to, Christian. You know, you long for it. You say, that's destiny for me. We say fate. No, it's destiny. This is my eternal destiny. I'm just waiting on it. Wouldn't worry too much more about this life. It's not worth it. I look for the day when he's going to swallow up death. And thanks be to God, we read it, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus became that serpent on the cross to swallow those other serpents. Had to happen. He had to become sin to get rid of sin. He had to. The one who became a serpent to swallow other serpents. Let's uh, bow our heads. And I'll ask you some questions. No one looking around but me, please.